Uh, John chapter number 21. Stand with us, if you will, for the reading and reverence of the Word of God. The Bible says here in verse number 1 of John chapter number 21, After these things Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on the wise showed he himself. They were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then saith unto them, children, have ye any meat? They answered him, no. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. Brother Marvin, if you will, lead us to the throne of grace, please. Yes, God. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Mark chapter number one. The Bible says you just keep holding your place in John chapter number 21. Mark chapter uh, number one and verse number 16. The Bible says now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew. And uh, the Bible here we understand in Mark chapter number one is a very familiar uh, passage of scripture. It's when Peter uh, and Andrew left and went and followed the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said here in verse 16, uh, his brother casting it into the sea for they were fishers and Jesus said unto them, come ye after me and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship, mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the ship with the hired servants, and went after him. I want to call your attention here to these contrasting verses of Scripture. We find in Mark chapter number 1, of course, a very familiar story when Jesus Christ had called Peter, uh, James, and John out of the boat and made them fishers of men. We've preached in the past on how the Lord had taught them uh, some things about fishing that would prepare them for what it was uh, that he was to have them do. But I want to call your attention uh, not only to the call but for the forsaking. Uh, they understand that the call was very evident to Peter. Uh, the call was very evident to James and John and, uh, and Andrew, his brother. Uh, the call was very clear that they were to forsake what they were doing and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you, I remember the day that the Lord knocked on my heart's door, pricked my heart and told me I needed to forsake my way and to follow him. And so I want you to notice not only was there a call, but there was this answer uh, to the call. They answered the call that the Lord had placed upon their wife. 
And the Bible says, and straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants uh, and went after him. So we see undoubtedly uh, that Jesus had done something in their life. His presence, uh, if you will, had showed them the need uh, to be where he was at. I remember the day that the Lord showed me the need to be where he was at, to follow him. Now, uh, undoubtedly, there was a lot of things that transpired from this moment in Mark chapter number one up to the point where Jesus Christ was crucified. Just as uh, recent as last Sunday, we were dealing with Calvary, we were dealing with Peter, how that Calvary no doubt had made a great change in Peter, Uh, but Peter had some problems. And uh, Peter had some things that he had to work through and some things he had to grow into, if you will, and some learning that had to be done. And so Peter, uh, no doubt, has, uh, has, has got to this place when the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ took place. We, we emphasized how he had followed the Lord afar off, how he had uh, used some language that he should not use, and how that, that uh, after the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified and he witnessed the, the, the grave clothes in the tomb and all those things began to work in the mind of Peter. But Jesus is gone. See, they walked with Jesus. Jesus was here in body. Uh, Jesus called them. They had Jesus, something tangible that they could touch and walk with and talk with. And now Jesus has died and crucified and put in the tomb and now he's resurrected and he's gone. And Peter is wondering what is going on. But I believe that Peter was so destroyed within his own mind and in his own body and defeated mentally because of what he had done by denying the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to say this to you today. I thank God that he's a forgiving God. I thank God that he's a loving God. Peter not only witnessed Calvary. Peter not only had been changed because of Calvary, but Peter was changed because of the the Christ that he served. Not only died, not only got up out of that tomb, but that same Christ forgive Peter for Peter's willingness to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad today, friend, not only that Jesus Christ died on Calvary, not only was he buried and three days rose again, but he ever liveth to make intercession for you and for me and when you have failed to him and when I have failed him I can raise my hands towards heaven brother Gene and say praise God, praise God praise God, not of anything that I've done but everything that he's done, why? Because his grace is truly amazing today, I thought about that old song, how he sung it for years and years and years and how that great truth is that God's Jesus Christ grace is so amazing and I thank the Lord for that but here's what I want to call your attention to Peter is down and out Peter is discouraged this man that walked and talked to the Lord Jesus Christ has reached a place in his life that he has found great discouragement he is down, he is out, he is kicking himself because of the failure that he is. Now I want to say this, you and I have to get to the place where we are willing to side with God against ourselves. But you do not have to stay there, and I thank God for that. In order to come up from that, a just man falleth seven times, the Bible says, but riseth up again. I'm thankful that although I have fallen, and although you have fallen, and although you may fall yet again, through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, he can help you get up and move on and go forward for the cause of Christ. I thank God for that. Peter got this attitude. 
Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, but uh, th- there's signs everywhere. A lot of guys that fish will have a sign on their truck or in their man cave somewhere or something that says that a bad day of fishing is better than a good day at work. And I, I, I brought, Brother Ray would get a kick out of that. Because, I mean, it seems like, you know, whether you catch anything or not, being out on the water's got to be better uh, than a hard day's labor. But I thought about this. Peter got this attitude, if you will, that uh, he'd, he'd left fishing, he'd put it aside, he forsook his nets, and he followed Jesus. And he followed Jesus, and he followed Jesus, and he went where Jesus went, till it got to the place where he followed Jesus far off. Something slowed him down. Something caused him to back off just a little bit. He did not have the same head of steam, Brother Gene, that he started out with. When he started out, he was willing to forsake everything and go with Jesus. But then it gets to the place in life where uh, it, it, it slows down and his head of steam begins to, to wane, if you will, just a little bit. Now, I don't know about you, but when I got saved, there wasn't anything I wouldn't do for the Lord. I'd done dropped my pride. I'd done got away from the pride issue. I'd done humbled myself. You know, I'd done accepted what he'd done. I'd, I'd done let it be known that I, I, I had went against a holy and righteous God. And there wasn't anything that I wouldn't do. And I went to following the Lord, but it wasn't long, Brother Gene, that I began to wane and I began to slow down and I began to follow afar off. And I want you to notice this, the, 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 the pressure that was in Peter's life. He had denied the Lord. He, he felt awful about it. And you ought to feel awful about it when you deny the Lord. You ought to feel just as bad as Peter did when you go against the one that bled and died for you. But I thank God you can rise up again and go on for the glory and for the honor of God. If it wasn't for his forgiveness, we couldn't be saved. And it's that same forgiveness, friend, that helps us move on in this walk of life for the cause of Christ. We can get up and go on. I thank God the Lord's, the Lord's mercies are new every morning. The Bible says, great is thy faithfulness. Are you not glad tonight for the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life? If this thing was riding on you and me, we'd surely be on our way to hell tonight. But we're not because of his grace and his mercy. And I thank the Lord for that. So I'm not excusing sin. But I'm awful glad when I found myself there. I had an ability to get back up again. Because the Lord Jesus Christ wasn't through with me. But he wanted me. And he sought me to continue on living for him. So here's the problem. Not only did Peter uh, go against the Lord. But he found himself in a state, friend, of depression. That he wasn't coming out of. Now I want you to notice this, if you will. He forsook fishing. He forsook the nets. He forsook the old life. But now we find that he's gone back to it. You'll find when people get depressed and they feel like that their life isn't worth anything and that they've failed the Lord and the Lord certainly couldn't use them in any capacity. I want you to know tonight the Lord don't need a single solitary one of us. There ain't one of us worth our salt for the Lord Jesus Christ today. And I'm glad he didn't die because of our worthiness, but he came to seek and to save that which was lost. I was a rotten, wretched sinner on my way to hell. I'm a rotten, wretched sinner now on my way to heaven, not because of what I've done, but all because of what he done and now what he is doing in me. But here's the attitude that John gets. I mean that Peter gets. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. They say unto him, we also go thee. He's gone back to doing what he had forsaken. He's turned back to the old way. Now I've had an opportunity to run into a few people in my recent past few days 
that will testify to the fact that God's done something in their life, but for whatever reason, they found themselves going back to the way that they were before they got saved by the grace of God. Now, here's what I want you to see. Peter gets this attitude because he feels like a failure. Was, was Peter a failure? Peter was a failure. There's no doubt Peter was a failure. But Peter could not get past his failure. Peter could not get past his mistake. I do not condone sin, but I'm glad the Lord Jesus Christ, Brother Marvin, can help us get past our sin. To get past our mistake, you don't have to live in your mistake. You don't have to live in your mistake because the Lord Jesus Christ that died and was buried rose again. And a just man falleth seven times and rises up again. Do you know who picks you up when you fall? See, when you fall, you're in a perfect place to talk to the Lord because you're already on your hands and feet with your face in the ground laying prostrate, friend. But when you're in that position, the Lord that rose from the tomb and, and lives again can help you move on and go down the road for the glory and for the honor of God. But here's the attitude that Peter takes. I'd rather be fishing. And if I had a thought tonight, it'd just be that simple thought. There's a lot of people that have the attitude, I'd just rather be fishing. Or I'd rather be doing this. Or I'd rather be doing that. Because at the end of the day, I'm nothing but a failure. This, this thing can't get no better. It just is what it is. I'll always be a failure. Friend, I want you to understand something. He died for me knowing that I was a failure. And he died for me knowing that I could do something through his power. And I thank the Lord for that. But he gets this attitude that I'd rather be fishing. But we understand he doesn't catch anything. He thought that going fishing would be better for him to go back to the things that he forsook that it would be to continue on because Jesus is gone and he's denied the Lord and he's feeling down and out and bad about his behavior. But it says, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. And I'll just be honest with you, I, I can think of some times in my life, Brother Shane, when I had went back to the things that I forsook, I'd gone back to the way that I used to live, I'd gone back looking at the way that I used to be, and I thought about those things, and I began to give myself back to those things, but aren't you glad that the Lord showed up down on the seashore where you was at, and called unto you, and he called unto me. I'm thankful for that. More than once, Brother Shane, the Lord has come looking for me. More than once, the Lord has come knocking at my heart's door. More than once the Lord has beckoned unto me to come back to him and I thank the Lord for that. But the Bible says here Jesus stood on the shore but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Boy to get so far away from him that as he calls you friend you don't recognize him. But he says then Jesus saith unto them children have you any meat? And they answered him no. And he said unto them cast the net on the right side of the ship and you shall find. Do you know what's happening right here? This is a very familiar story of something that's happened in Peter's past. For some reason, the Lord has showed up and Peter's feeling pretty rotten and Peter's down in the ship going back to the things which he forsook and the Lord has showed up down there on the seashore and called unto him but they don't recognize his voice. They don't hear him like they used to. They don't see him the way that they used to see him. But he says something to them to remind them of a time when he called them out, friend, and they forsook 
their nets and follow him. I'm thankful for time and time and time again where I found myself where I ought not be. That the Lord come down there on the seashore and he called unto me. Although I might not have recognized him, he said something to me or pricked my heart and reminded me of a time where he saved me from the devil's hell, brought me up by the horrible pit in the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And I thank the Lord before that today. Friend, he, he has not give up on you, so you do not give up on you today. You do not have to give up on you today. Now I want to say this. Some people get the attitude that it's not, it's not worth trying. It's not worth going through. It's not worth the ups and downs. It's not worth the, 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 the hassle to try to do this. But I want you to notice, if you will, go with me to Psalms chapter number 84. And I'll probably be scattered tonight, but that'll be all right. Psalms chapter number 84. I thought about this psalm, and it just, boy, it amazes me. The Bible says here, How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. Psalms 84 verse 1. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. Amiable is lovely, worthy of love, deserving of affection. In other words, the psalmist is saying to this psalm that is written for the sons of Korah, how amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. He's calling attention to the wonderful, lovely things of being around the house of God. Said, my soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Have you noticed that there's some people that have turned their back on the Lord? They've got this idea that they'd be better off uh, just to go fishing, just to, just to go back to the life that they once forsook, uh, and they don't think it's worth going to God's house. It's not worth going down around the people of God. It's not worth trying to give your life to because you're nothing but a failure anyway. But I want you to notice something here. Uh, in, in the day that the tabernacle down in the wilderness, if you will, when the children of Israel come out of Egypt, and they were going towards that of the promised land. Uh, the tabernacle was positioned always by the shame in the center of camp all the time. In other words, all their living and all their livelihood, uh, all that they were doing revolved around the house of God. The house of God was not on the outskirts of their life. For everything they'd done, the tabernacle was the center of attention. We live in a society today, friend, where people don't want to be at the house of God, around the people of God. They'd rather be fishing. They'd rather be hunting. They'd rather be shopping. They'd rather be doing something else because they just don't feel like that they're worth anything and they felt God. God couldn't want them for nothing. They're no count. Listen to me, friend. I want you to notice who we're talking about here. This was a psalm that was written for the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah served in the tabernacle and later in the temple. But you understand here, if you will, that Korah was a leader who led a rebellion against Moses and the people of God. Now I want you to notice that. The, the descendants, if you will, of Korah, the one that led a rebellion against God's people, that we understand that the earth split open by the gene and swallowed uh, them up, if you will, because of the things that they were doing against Moses and God's people. 
But the descendants of Korah has found themselves now, Brother Gene, down in the house of God, down at the tabernacle, later in the temple, finding themselves in a position of service and worship to the Lord, or to the to the God, uh, to the God the Father. And so what am I saying here? I'm saying that you don't have to be what those were, that were before you are. I'm thankful that although God did not have uh, any uh, uh, respect, if you will, for what Korah was doing, he still had some descendants, if you will, that found themselves down at the house of God. And these descendants are saying, this, this, get this now, how amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. So the house of God is being likened right here to a sparrow that is found in the house, or the swallow a nest for herself. A home, if you will, a place where they can go and lay their eggs and raise their young. In other words, the house of God, uh, this psalm that was for the sons of Korah, uh, understanding that the sons of Korah have got an opportunity to serve in the house of God, that, 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 that closeness to being in the courts, that closeness to being in God's house was likened to them. It meant so much to them that they were liking it to a sparrow that had found a house and a swallow a nest. For herself, blessed are they that dwell in thy house, they will be still praising thee. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are the ways of them. Now, uh, go with me, if you will, here down to verse number 10. For a day, notice this, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. Now, as we mentioned here, Peter gets this idea that he'd be better off going fishing. I just, I'd rather be fishing. I'm going to go back to the old ways. This, is, this ain't working out. And as we stated, a bad day of fishing is better than a good day of work by most people's mindset. But I want you to notice what, what the Bible's saying here in verse 10, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather, have, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. In other words, what, what's being said here is one day in God's house, a day in thy courts, it's better than a thousand doing something else. He's, they're saying here, I'd trade a thousand days doing something else. I'd trade it in for one day to be in thy courts. Listen, we're a blessed people. We are a blessed people to be in God's house right now. In God's house worshiping the Lord with each other being saved and on our way to heaven having escaped the charred walls of the damned. There's a lot of people tonight that don't have any respect for God's house. They'd rather be fishing, they'd rather be hunting, they'd rather be shopping, they'd rather be doing something else. There is no place that I'd rather be than in God's house with you tonight serving the one that bled and died for me. One day, one day in God's house it's better than a thousand days doing anything else. If you could ever realize that, if you could ever realize the blessings that's been given you today, friend, and what God has done for you and what God has done for me, you'd find a new appreciation for being in the house of God. I appreciate the Lord. A day in thy courts is better 
than a thousand. Now I'm going to read you a very familiar passage of scripture. I don't plan to hang here long. But Brother Shane, I just got to dwelling this afternoon on the blessings of God. And how I sometimes get in a shake to where I have to go to church. And I don't just think about how blessed I am to get to go to church. And then I thought about this in Deuteronomy chapter number 6 verse 1. The Bible said, now these are the commandments, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. Oh, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee that thou uh, and thy son and thy son's son all the days of thy life and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that you may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Now notice this, said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and then when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up, when thou shalt bind them for a sight upon thy hand, thou shalt be frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on the gates. Are you noticing yet a pattern here that no matter where they go, no matter what they do, they're to be in such a state that they're reminded of all that God has done for them. Wouldn't it be wonderful this, this evening if you and I could be reminded, Brother Gene, of all the things that God has done for you and for me. Listen, a day in thy courts is better than a thousand doing something else. You've got some people that have this attitude, Brother Gene, that this life that we live in, there's more life than church. There's more life than the things of God. Oh, there's more life than church, but there's nothing more than church that you need to be involving yourself in, friend. And church isn't something that you do. Church isn't a part of your life. Church is my life. The things of God, my life revolves around God's house and God's people and God's will for my life. I don't want my children to ever lose the, the desire to be in God's house, to go down to the house and to find out that because of sickness, the children couldn't come to church but cried and wept because they weren't able to be in God's house, friend. Blesses my heart. I hope there never comes a day that my children don't cry when they cannot be in God's house. Why? Because a day in his house is better than a thousand doing anything else that this world has to offer you and has to offer me because everything we have is because he's blessed us with a life that we have and we ought to thank him and praise him and give him the glory and honor that we are who we are. We have what we have because he's seen fit for us to have it and I thank the Lord for that. The Bible says in verse number uh, 10, and it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he swore unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells dig which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. Then beware. Did you notice that from verses 6 through 10, all this instruction to remember, 
All these things that were to be done to cause one to remember, and yet there's still the chance that one will forget, Brother Marvin. Says, it says, Then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him, and shalt swear by his name. Ye shall not go after other gods. Of the gods of the people which are round about you. Boy, the people around about us got gods coming left and coming right. Everywhere you go, they're worshiping gods that's not the true and living God. And so the Bible says, For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. It do you good to know that the Lord is jealous over you. God give his only begotten son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believing in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He bankrupt heaven, give his son for you, give his son for me. He's jealous, friend, over us. It says, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. Now you understand here Jesus used this verse when Satan tempted him. So the Bible says, You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he had commanded thee. Thou shalt do that which is right. A lot of people want to argue this is Old Testament. This doesn't apply. Jesus used an Old Testament verse to talk to the devil in the New Testament when the devil was tempting him. You don't want to tempt the Lord thy God. And so the Bible says here, And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord swore unto thy fathers, to cast out all thine enemies from before thee as the Lord has spoken. And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? And thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swear unto our fathers. I'm glad tonight that he brought me out of the horrible pit and the miry clay, and he brought me out that he might bring me into a land and to a life that is pleasurable and wonderful and joyous to know that I'm in the will of God and serving the one that died for me friend it's a joy to be in the center of God's will for to be out of the center of God's will is a miserable and awful place to be today he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore unto our fathers and the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good, for our good always that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And that should be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he commanded us. Now I want you to notice verse 24. The Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always. Now all things were created by him and for him, right? We're here for his pleasure. But you do know that he's not the only one that gains from this relationship. If you don't understand, see, there's a lot of people seem bitter that the Lord wants something out of them. I'm not bitter that the Lord wants something out of me. I'm not upset that I am to give myself a living sacrifice because I understand the living sacrifice that he was for me. And this, this obedience to the Lord and being in the Lord's will and following the Lord and, and being in his house and, and, and focusing all of our attention around him and, and, and the house of God being the center of my life. It's for my good. It's never harmed me, Brother Marvin, to serve Lord Jesus Christ. There isn't one day that I've ever done what the Lord wanted me to do, Brother Gene, that I regretted it. Not one time. I've never regretted my salvation. The Bible said, it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he commanded us. Now this, understand, 
The Bible says in verse 4, Hear, O Israel. Who, who, who is this for? This is for the children of Israel. And here's the thing. They're to bind these things. And this is to be in such a, a way of remembrance that their children's children on down the line would question them about their history. And it was to be in such that, that they were to be able to tell their children about the things that God had done for them. I want my home to be an atmosphere that my children question me about the things of God. And I can take them back to a time when God done things for me that nobody else could do. Can you do that today? Is there anything in your life that you could share with your family or your friends that God has done something special in your life. Oh, there's many times and many things that I can do. Your testimony isn't my testimony, but I've got one. And I can tell people what God has done for me because he's a living God. He rose from that tomb. He lives to make intercession. He answers prayer, Sister Tara. He talks to me. He walks with me. He guides me. He leads me. He directs me. Oh, this is real today, and I thank God for that. So this was for Israel. But I want you to notice, friend, just how uh, sad shape man can get himself into. Uh, Psalm 73, quickly. Psalms 73. Now we're talking here in Deuteronomy 6 about Israel, right? But in Psalms 73, this Psalm of Asaph, uh, the psalmist says here, Truly, God is good to Israel. But it doesn't end there, Brother Marvin. It's not just for Israel. Said truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. What about you? You ever got to the place where you think that you get to the attitude that, well, I'd be better off fishing. I'd be better off doing something else. Asaph here is saying truly God is good to Israel. He's making a blanket statement for right out of the starting gate. Before he ever begins to explain this passage of scripture to us in the word of God, he's saying truly God is good to Israel and even to such as are of a clean heart, but as for me. He's setting himself apart right here. My feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Now I want you to notice with me here quickly, this passage of scripture right here, we are getting it from Asaph as he's seen it. He's not, the Bible's not teaching you here that the wicked have it much better than the saved. Or that the wicked have it much better than those that loved God or served God. He's giving you his perspective in Psalm 73 of how he had let his mind take him and where his mind had brought him because he'd done something, Brother Gene. He began to look at his troubles and his trials and the ups and downs of life and he focused his attention on the prosperity of the wicked. Not everybody that's wicked is prosperous, but it just so happens that the one that Asaph is looking at just happens to have it all seems like. Doesn't the grass always look greener on the other side? Doesn't it seem sometimes like we'd be better off just to go fishing and forget this thing and to forsake that which we have already forsaken? Notice this. Therefore pride can pass them about as a chain. Violence cover them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. 
They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how doth God know and is their knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain. In other words, everything that I've gone through has been vain. Every day I spent for the Lord was vanity. Every day that I tried to do what God wanted me to do was for nothing. Every time that I pointed my mind or my body towards the thing of God, it was for naught. That's what he's saying. He said, for all the day long have I been plagued. Does your life ever feel like it's just full of plagues? He said, and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God then understood I therein. You know what? A day in my courts, a day in the house of God is better than a thousand. Do you know why? Because the day spent in God's house around God's word, around God's people keeps us in line and in tune to understand that there's a people that although may look prosperous, although may look like they have it together, are going to die and go to a devil's hell where they are tormented in the flames for all of eternity. But you and I don't have that today. They've got something. See, right here the psalmist is saying they got something I don't have. They sure did. A ticket to hell. Aren't you glad today that you and I don't have a first class ticket to hell? I got a first class ticket, Brother Shane, out of here. And I'm going to be with him. Amen. It says, if I say I will speak this, behold, I shall offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God that understood I therein. So what he's saying here is when he went into the sanctuary of God, his mindset changed. Everything from verse number 2 down to verse number 17 is just flew out the window by going simply into God's house. You know why some people get in the shape they're in? They've forsaken God's house a little at a time until eventually by forsaking God's house a little at a time, they find themselves in this shape right here. But being in God's house around God's word, around God's people will keep you, friend, in line with the mindset of this, uh, of this book and the way that uh, the reality of a lost and dying world uh, really is. The Bible says, surely that has set them in slippery places. Now I want you to notice verse two. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well and I slipped. He was the one slipping. He was slipping because he'd forgot that they were slipping. He forgot that they had one foot on a banana peel. He forgot that they was this close, a heartbeat away from death. All of us, Brother Gene, are a heartbeat away from dying. It says here, surely that has set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream, when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Then listen, thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. Why was he grieved? Well, it was more than just their position and how they were, but it was that he ever let himself get in that shape. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. It ain't better to be fishing. It ain't better to be shopping. It ain't better to be hunting. It ain't better to be consumed to this world. There's folk that ought to be here tonight that are not because they got some things they'd rather be doing. But a day in thy courts, 
is better than a thousand doing anything else. So said, how are they brought into desolation as in a moment they're utterly consumed with terrors? As a dream one awakest, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. Did you know somebody that's been saved by the grace of God on their way to heaven can be foolish and ignorant? How foolish and ignorant we can be sometimes. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I'm continually with thee. Thou hast hold me by my right hand. <laughs> I want you to notice this. Nevertheless, Peter experienced on the boat that day, Brother Marvin, nevertheless. He experienced that although he had failed God, although they had failed the Lord, that the Lord was willing to walk down on the seashore that day and call his name one more time and remind him of a day that he saved him and brought him out and asked him to follow him. He said, Nevertheless, I am continuing with thee, thou hast hold me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire. Beside thee, being in the sanctuary of God, changed his desires and his mindset and his wants and his wishes. He said, My flesh and my heart faileth. Your flesh and your heart faileth today. Your flesh, you listen to me now, your flesh and your heart faileth. But it said, God is my strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Boy, wouldn't it do good to remember that? Thou hast destroyed all them that go whoring from thee. He said, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I've put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Peter experienced it nevertheless. And when he experienced it nevertheless, he said, it is good for me to draw near to God. And you know what he did? He dropped himself off into the sea and headed towards Christ. Here's my message tonight as the sister comes and finds us something on the piano. Maybe the Lord has come by your way tonight and he's reminded you that he still isn't done with you. That he still loves you, that he still wants you, that he still desires that you serve him. But if you're not careful in your failures, you're going to say, I'd rather be fishing. But if the Lord has come by and he's knocked on your heart's door again and he's, he's called out to you and he's reminded you that he's saved you when you was a sinner and he still longs for you to be a part of him and for him to be a part of you. Listen, you better jump off the boat tonight, jump in the sea and swim down here to this altar and come before him and love him and kiss his feet and tell him that you're sorry. And friend, he can do what he's always done. He can pick us up. Help us go on one more time, one more day for the glory and for the honor of God. If Asaph could get himself in a position to where he's put his eyes on the things of this world and cause him to feel like that this world has it far better than him, friend, I'm telling you, you can too. And I can too. And you know what we need to do? We need to drop off into the sea and get headed to Jesus tonight as she plays. Sister, you go ahead. Let's all stand to our feet all across the house. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you need to come do business with God tonight, you come.